You begin every day with the goal of being fully productive, fully present, and fully engaged in your work. But from the moment you hear the alarm, a thousand small interruptions hamper your progress. It feels as if some unseen force resists your every move. Your energy level is low, so you hit snooze. Just one time. Then you wonder if you can still squeeze in a workout. After chiding yourself for a minute or two, you decide to skip the run. You sort through the dryer looking for a clean pair of socks. While munching down a bagel, you sneak a look on Facebook to see if anybody liked your last post. Then you click on Celebrity Diet Secrets. Then a news article. Then you check email. You might drive a little too fast so you can hit Starbucks before work, but you're still 10 minutes late. Even before you sit down at your desk, you're already stressed, already behind on your day, and feeling overwhelmed. And it's only Monday. By the end of the week, you've given up on your most important priorities, worked late twice, and have settled for the seemingly unreachable goal of getting caught up on your email by 5 p.m. After another weekend that went by way too fast, you hit the snooze button again and start the process all over. Is there a hidden force trying to sabotage your productivity? In fact, there is. Author Stephen Pressfield calls it the resistance, but a physicist would refer to it as friction. Friction is the force that resists the motion of one surface against another, and it works against you as you move through the morning and into the workday. Friction results in a loss of energy, and it produces heat. That's why you begin each day feeling drained and arrive for work in the fever of what feels like a battle. What if you could reduce the friction? What if you could add a layer of lubrication to your day that would reduce the forces working against you? Engineers have recently developed a compound of boron, aluminum, and magnesium called BAM for short. BAM! It's billed as the world's slipperiest substance, even more than Teflon. When a thin layer of BAM is applied to machine parts, friction is nearly eliminated. And because BAM is also one of the hardest materials in the world, it can operate in the most severe conditions. From pumps to cutting tools and even cookware, a little BAM can take the heat and frustration out of any process. If friction is the unseen force impeding your productivity, what lubricant would reduce it? What we're really asking is this. What would add a little BAM, BAM. to your day? Hi, I'm Michael Hyatt. And I'm Megan Hyatt-Miller. And this is Lead to Win, our weekly podcast to help you win at work, succeed at life, and lead with confidence. In this episode, we'll show you exactly how to reduce the friction in your daily routine so that you can be more relaxed, more focused, and more productive than ever before. All of us want to be fully engaged and highly productive, but every day brings a fresh round of small obstacles to our progress. Today, we'll show you the four daily routines that my dad has honed over a lifetime. They're guaranteed to launch you into a productive day. When we're finished today, you'll be able to avoid that feeling that you're never quite caught up, and you'll be able to enter each day calm, collected, and fully prepared to reach your goals. We'll also give you your critical first step that will start you on this pathway. Hey, but before we dive into today's show, I'd like to ask you a small favor. If this podcast has been helpful to you, would you please take two minutes to leave a review? That'll help other leaders find and benefit from this great content. It's super easy. Just visit michaelhyatt.com slash review it. All right. So dad 
we're talking about eliminating the small obstacles that make us feel overwhelmed each day. I know everybody wants to hear more about that, but I wonder about the word rituals. I wonder if this makes some people like kind of a little squeamish, like we're going to break out the candles and the incense going to get weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually I like that, but that's beside the point. I I think a lot of times people have a uh, religious connotation when they think of the word ritual, but I think of it more like a recipe. Yeah. You know, in other words, it's, it's simply a routine or a habit that you bake into your daily life, something that sets you up to get a predictable, positive result. Mm -hmm. The truth is there's a lot of science behind this. MIT researchers have identified that there's a habit loop. It's basically cue, routine, reward. Once you install a habit, you don't even have to think about it, which I I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. Yep. I like that. Habits operate in a deep part of the brain, which is called the basal ganglia, that can bypass our conscious thought, which is pretty neat. I mean, that's like maybe the highest level of automation there is, is really habits, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because if you can put yourself on autopilot and you don't have to think about it, you can run through a whole series of things that set you up to get a predictable result and save your brain power for other things that are more creative that are, you know, things you're doing for the first time. Right. Because starting a new habit or routine is really about connecting the dots. Anybody can do it. So for example, finish breakfast, which is your cue, take a morning run, which is a routine, and then have coffee, which is your reward. Now I'm going to be honest. I need the coffee first. So I need I, the coffee I, first too. I, I Absolutely. I like adjust the order of those a little bit, but you get the basic idea regardless. I think one of the things to remember too, is that these daily rituals that we're about to recommend provide some benefits that we want to keep in mind. First of all, they conserve mental energy by eliminating routine decisions. Yes, this you know, is if a I big to, one. Yeah, right, because like if I had to figure out every morning how I'm going to get to the gym, like right. it was a new route every time, that takes time Or what kind energy. of exercise you're going to do. Exactly. So I've got it all pre-mapped out, and I just go through the routine. It's a ritual. In fact, so much so that I don't even think about it. I'm listening to podcasts while I'm doing that. Right. Secondly, they reduce friction by removing the small obstacles. Or decisions. T- true. So you've you've pre-thought, you've thought about the obstacles you might encounter, you've eliminated those in the process, and now you've got a ritual that bypasses those with the least amount of friction. Then they boost energy by ensuring that you don't sacrifice your personal needs. Yeah. So this is the important thing about a morning ritual in particular. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to make sure that I'm exercising an appropriate level of self-care and getting myself set up to win. And for me, the day is won or loss, usually before 8 a.m. Yeah, that's so true. And if you don't automate this, it's very unlikely that it's going to happen consistently. So today we're going to talk about the power of automated actions, and we want to get down to four rituals that set us up for success on a daily basis. I know you use these same four rituals, but let's talk about these and we'll just kind of go back and forth on what we do. Okay, so ritual number one is the morning ritual. Mm -hmm. You know, years ago... I observed that a lot of professional athletes had some kind of ritual that they got involved in that would set them up for a game-winning situation. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it was um, the the things that they did right before the game or the things they did in the locker room or the things they did, you know, right before, like when the quarterback would take uh, the hike, you know, a certain ritual, a certain set of uh, predetermined actions that set them up to win. Almost a little bit superstitious. Right. Now, I don't, I want to take out the superstitious part of it. But I've identified, for example, in my morning ritual, there are nine things that I do every day in order to get set up for a winning day. Mm -hmm. So for me, it looks like this. First thing I do when I get up, and this is kind of mundane, but I drink 12 ounces of water. Mm -hmm. And because I'm pretty dehydrated and I want to get the water going so that my brain's going, my blood's flowing, all the rest. Then I make a cup of coffee. Come back to that coffee thing that we were (laughs) talking about earlier. First things first. 
And then for me, um, I'm reading a selection from the Bible. So I read through the whole Bible every year, and I've done this for a couple decades, actually more than that. And so I'm going to read a Bible selection that I pray, journal, meditate, fill out my daily page of the Full Focus Planner, work out, and then I eat breakfast. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my morning routine. Yep. You know, it's funny when you were talking about this, I was remembering back to some years ago and my kids are really young. Now they're 17 to eight, so they're a little bit older. But when they were younger, I felt like this morning ritual thing was just not for me. You know, I, I felt like you couldn't do it. Like it was totally unattainable. I heard your ritual, which took, you know, quite a long time. Couple hours, I, right? Yeah, I just thought, you know, I'm lucky if I get like 15 minutes, you know, if, if I can make my coffee without somebody asking me for something like that's a miracle. Right. Um, and so I really got started with this at a very low bar kind of level. I really began my morning ritual with just coffee and a short devotional time. And so the devotional that I've used for years is by a woman named Phyllis Tickle, uh, based on the Book of Common Prayer. Doesn't take very long at all, maybe five minutes tops to go through the morning reading. But that's all I did. I mean, that, yeah. that was like my entire morning ritual. And it was it felt like a triumph every day that I, you know, could do five minutes. Um, now it's expanded a little bit. And I feel like when we teach this in our activation workshops or our free to focus live events, you know, this is kind of the cornerstone ritual that, that we encourage people to really start with. Um, and I think it's because it really sets you up. But for me, mine still starts with that devotion coffee time, you know, then I plan my day in my full focus planner. Then I get my boys ready for school. Usually they're, they're not totally independent like the older kids. So they still need a little help making lunches and all that kind of stuff. Then I go on a walk normally. Mm. So once they've left for school, I go on a quick walk, uh, about 45 minutes, sometimes a little less. So for me, walking is a great exercise, not only because I love to be outside and it's probably the only time of day I'm really outside, but I don't have to go to the gym. You know, it's, it's literally walk out the front door. And so I save that time, which for me really matters. Um, then I come back, I shower, I eat breakfast, I fix my hair, put my makeup on and get dressed. I mean, it's just sort of like all the normal things you do every day. So we're documenting those in our morning routine here. But we're also making sure, I think, that we have the time for self-care, that we're making sure that we eat breakfast. We're making sure yes. that we get some exercise. We're making sure that we have time to plan our day. We're making sure that we have um, some reflective time or spiritual devotion time in the morning. And no matter how short or long your season of life allows for, the point is that you carve out this time to be intentional about setting yourself up for a great day rather than you just sort of like, you know, stumble into your day and hope you kind of figure it out amidst the whirlwind of demands. Well, and, and here's the truth. Rituals are inescapable. Right. Everybody has one. Uh, it's just that they're not always well thought out. Right. They're not intentional. And so what we're trying to do is to say, okay, if we, if we wanted to set ourselves up for a win, what would that look like so that we're spiritually, intellectually, physically, you know, prepared? One of the things I didn't mention is that when I uh, do my exercise or my workout, I'm also listening to podcasts yeah, me too. or I'm listening to audiobooks. Yep. So that's a way for me to feed my mind uh, at the same time. So I'm trying to tend to the whole person. And that's going to, and a very important point that you made, that's going to look different depending on the season of life that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. And so you want something that you can do kind of without fail. And for me, I've kind of got two versions of this. I yeah. have sort of a minimalistic version, and then I have, you know, the more expanded version. And honestly, you know, if, if we're on the honest planet, I have to say, you know, probably for me, if I can get five out of seven yep. days and do this, yep. that's good. Me too. Like last week I was on vacation. I didn't do this morning ritual at all. I did some morning ritual. It was kind of haphazard. Right. You still had the coffee. I, I still had the coffee, definitely. <laughs> But, you know, we were touring a lot of things. And I just didn't have the time to do it. Yeah. And that's fine. You know, I'm not legalistic about this. But uh, for most of the year, 
most of the days, this is what I'm doing. So you and I are sitting here facing each other and we have our full focus planners open and there's actually a page, two pages in the planner for daily rituals. And one of the things I really like is that there's a space for time allotted on kind of the right right hand column next to this little block um, that you build your routine in. That's really important because if you don't know how long your routine takes, then very often you won't allow enough time for it. And then you'll get frustrated because you keep skipping breakfast or you'll be frustrated because you feel like you don't have enough time to exercise. And so it's critical that you actually kind of time each of the steps in your process. So, you know, like, for example, from start to finish, from the time I wake up till I'm fully dressed and ready to walk out the door, if I do all these things, it takes me three hours. Now, that's including showering and getting dressed and hair and makeup and all that kind of stuff. But what I know then is that if I want to be able to walk out the door at 8.30, I need to get up at 5.30. And that allows me to go through that routine without feeling stressed, which is critical. Well, and I think that's the secret. And as we get to the evening ritual, we're going to find out going to bed at a certain time is the key to getting up at a certain time. Okay, so what's next? Okay, so the second ritual is the workday startup ritual. And one of the things I noticed years ago is that I found myself you know, working through email all day long Mm -hmm. or handling interruptions all day long. And I found that it was really hard for me to get focused kind of deep work. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what if I took care of some of these basic things that I have to deal with at the beginning of the day and then also at the end of the day so that I could clear the bulk of the day for that that deeper, more focused, concentrated work or meetings uh, so I'm not interrupted by these things that have to be done, but they're kind of maintenance items. Mm-hmm. So I have a workday startup uh, ritual that gets me all set up uh, for the day. So the first thing I do is I empty my email inbox. Okay. So the way that I do email, and we probably ought to do an episode on this sometime, but uh, Jim works with me on my email and Jim is my assistant. And so he's actually pre-screening all the stuff that comes into what I call my public account. Mm -hmm. So that's what everybody else has access to. And then he drags only those messages that I have to tend to into my private account. So very few people have that private email address, Mm -hmm. but those messages are are drug in there because Jim doesn't know how to answer them or thinks I need to reply to him directly. That on average is four or five messages a day. Mm -hmm. So for me to knock knock out my inbox is is pretty quick. Mm -hmm. The other thing I do is... Um, I review and respond to Slack messages. Yep. Now, Slack messages are our internal messaging system. So we use that in place of email, but it's similar. Jim doesn't scream that for me. You know, I'm doing that myself because I want to, you know, keep my fingers on the, on the pulse of the business. Then I check Facebook and Twitter. And because we're a company that's um, in large part markets through those social media channels, you know, I think it's important for me to engage there. We've got, you know, social media managers and all that, but I still engage personally on that. Mm-hmm. And then I review my daily big three. So I've usually framed these up in my morning routine, but now I want to get refocused and know what are the three things that I absolutely positively have to get done for today. Mm -hmm. Now, that whole process takes me 30 minutes at the beginning of the day. That's almost exactly the same as mine. I don't have the social media piece in there. That's not really... um something that's important for me to be doing. But one of the big insights that I had about this workday startup routine, and and for that matter, the next one we'll talk about, is that if you don't build in time for this kind of catch up and correspondence, especially internally with your team, what happens is you end up working before you go to work, which interrupts your morning routine. Because if your day starts with a meeting at nine o'clock, for example, and there's no workday startup routine, then you think to yourself, well, I better skip that run or that walk or, you know, that session with my trainer, because I, I 
I need to answer those emails that are urgent. And then it, it just destroys the rest totally. of your morning. And so you you aren't able to uh, protect that time. And the same is true later in the day. So I think there's a real function here of protecting your most important priorities in the day, but also before the day begins. Yeah, this is just a way of kind of batching all that little stuff, yeah. you know, the the tiny trivial stuff that will eat up your day if you're not careful. Well, and if we don't account for it, it's going somewhere. It's, it's, that's right. It may be individually tiny and trivial, but it adds up to 30 minutes worth of work. That's the difference between you have a morning routine and you don't. Right. Okay. Ritual number three is the workday shutdown ritual. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason why this is important is I don't want to bring work home. Yes. And so here's what happens to so many people that are especially in corporate positions, but even business owners and entrepreneurs and middle managers. All day long, they're in meetings, Yep. right? Or they're being interrupted. So all the real work gets done at home, yes. either at night or in the morning before they begin. So they don't have an evening ritual, or if they do they have an evening ritual, it's getting back on the computer and processing the email that they never got to uh, during the day. Yep. Or the morning ritual is doing that last minute preparation on the projects exactly. they're going to be talking about in these meetings. Yes. So we're trying to avoid that. Yes. So I have a workday shutdown ritual that consists of the following. Again, empty my email inbox. So I don't want to be dealing with email all day long. And unless you're in customer service or something that requires constant interaction on email, most people don't need to be on email all, right. all day long. In fact, this is a temptation that keeps us from doing the real work. Yeah. You're thinking, well, I got to be responsive. You look, most people are happy to wait for half a day for a response. They're also in meetings all day. That's right. Yeah. And if they needed something urgent, they can try some other method you sure. know, of getting in touch with you. So I empty my email uh, inbox. Again, That's I've got this written down as seven minutes. This is about a, also about a 30-minute routine. Mm-hmm. Then again, I go back through Slack, check Facebook and Twitter again. Then I review my tomorrow and this week lists. Hmm. So for me, we're, we happen to be using Asana right now. You know, our company is converted over to Asana. Which is a project management system and also a personal task management system. Yeah. So I've got all my tasks in there. I don't keep all those in my full focus planner, but I keep all of uh, those on in that uh, digital planner. And so I'm looking at the tasks that are going to be due tomorrow or I flagged to be due this week. And I'm looking for candidates for my big three for tomorrow. So then I review my weekly big three, which is another thing that we teach in in Free to Focus and also is a component in the Full Focus Planner. But I review my big three priorities for this week, make sure there's Mm -hmm. not something there that's left undone or needs to be done. Then I identify my daily big three for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So I'm constantly thinking, as you can see, about my daily big three. So I'm looking at the one for tomorrow. I'll review it again in my morning routine, and then I'll review it in my workday startup ritual. And then I leave my planner open to tomorrow's page on my desk. That's like the last thing. So that I come in, there I've got it all set up. That's great. So mine is very similar to that. And one of the things that I thought about when you were talking is this is not just something that you sort of say to yourself, I'm going to do. This is something that actually needs to appear as a calendar item on your calendar. So this is an appointment that you keep with yourself, both your morning routine. So in other words, you're not taking breakfast meetings or early meetings that are going to disrupt this on a regular basis. And you're also not scheduling meetings um, or allowing other commitments to come into this workday startup routine. And you're leaving time that's blocked as a commitment to yourself at the end of the day for your workday shutdown ritual. Because if you do those things, you'll uh, enable yourself to have the kind of margin and rejuvenation you need in the evening, um, which we're going to talk about next. Yeah. So for for me, for example, um, I quit work every day at six. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty regular about that. It's very rare for that to not happen. And in fact, I have an activation trigger set up so that my uh, office lights turn off at exactly six o'clock. Yeah. 
So at 5.30, I know my workday shutdown ritual is going to take 30 minutes. So I started at 5.30 mm-hmm. and I'm going to be done by six because the lights go off. I'm standing in the dark if I haven't finished. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about you've come home from work, you know, you've had dinner, all those sorts of things. And how do you set yourself up in the evening for a productive next day? Yeah. One of the things I do is leave the devices alone. Yeah. You know, so when I leave the office, I'm done with the devices. In fact, we've got a little tray now in our den where uh, Gail and I, and Marissa happens to be living with us right now, we all put our phones in that tray uh-huh. and they can just charge up. And so they're not going to be any devices at the dinner table. This is, this is huge. It's huge. I, I find so many couples, so many families, and you see these people out eating at restaurants, it's everybody's true. on their devices. It's the weirdest right? thing. And And one of the things, I mean, we've just had... A lot of discussion in our culture right now about suicide. Mm -hmm. And I just heard a report this morning. They were saying one of the major factors there is loneliness. Yeah. Loneliness leads to depression. It leads to frustration. Right. And in some cases, leading to suicide. But people are feeling isolated because of these devices. Yeah. So put them up. Right. Right. Connect with the real people. So we, you. you know, this isn't part of my evening routine, but I just want to set up the evening. So we sit down and eat dinner together. We, as we're having dinner, this actually is another ritual. Um, and we always ask, what was the best thing that happened to you today? Now, we could focus on what was the worst thing. Right. <laughs> and, and it's easy to go there because we do have this sort of uh, predisposition towards negativity and drama. I think that's true of the human race. Right. But uh, you can choose to focus on something else. So we focus, and you remember this as, as a little girl in our family, we forced you kids to come up with your best thing. <laughs> and sometimes mom yep. would say to you, you know, you'd say, oh, I didn't have any best thing today. And mom would force you to say... Okay, if you had if you had to name right. one thing, what was it? Yeah. And I think it's incredibly helpful. Especially effective for teenagers. It is. And so, you know, we'll t- spend 30 to 45 minutes, you know, having dinner together. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's kind of off to their own. And right. so my evening ritual begins with reading. And so I'm going to read something, you know, preferably not a business book or right. something that's going to get my brain fired up. Right. But I'm either going to read fiction or I'm going to read history or I'm going to read a biography. So right now I'm uh, reading, I just started the biography of Ulysses uh, S. Grant. Oh, wow. And so I'm just one chapter into it, but I'm excited about that. Then brush and floss my teeth, wash my face. And then when Gail and I get in bed, discuss three wins with her mm-hmm. for the day. And again, for the same reason. Sometimes we don't do that if we've done it at the dinner table. Yeah. But we like to just identify three wins and then we pray together. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's 30 great. minutes there too. So mine, I uh, tend to spend about 20 minutes doing some personal correspondence because I have four children. There's always, you know, stuff related to kids' schools or, you know, other planning for them that's important that sometimes just doesn't, you know, fit naturally into the workday. So I do that. I also review the next day with Joel. So we talk about, you know, what's happening tomorrow, where are the kids, who's the babysitter, depending on what time of year it is, what what activity do they have going on. So we're just on the same page because anybody with a bunch of kids knows uh, there's a lot of coordination that's needed. And if we don't have that conversation very often, we're like, wait, you're not picking up? I'm picking up? You know, we, we just right. get a little confused. So it's really important. Um, and then I'm going to be honest, I watch TV for probably about 30 to 60 minutes a night. And that is just kind of like my decompression time um, that I really enjoy. I do not like to read at night. I mostly uh, read by listening to stuff during my exercise time in the morning. And I love just like watching a show very often. That's kind of my introvert cave time as a mom uh, and a leader. I just kind of like need some time we, by myself. I mean, so I love that. Yeah, we do that some too. I mean, we are living in the golden age of television. I know. 
Uh, there are so many amazing shows There's on so many right good now. ones. Oh. And so we're doing less of it now than we were doing, say, a year ago. Right. But I still think, you know, that's a that's a good use of time. I know. Nothing wrong with that. And then basically I just lay out my uh, clothes for the next day. I take my medicine or supplements and pray and go to bed. So, awesome. So what I know about that is that it's going to take me – about an hour and a half to do all those things, sometimes a little less, but I need to start that routine after I put my kids to bed, you know, around seven, seven thirty, if I want to get in bed by nine. So again, we're thinking with the end in mind, what time do I want to go to bed? Because if I'm not intentional about it and I just sort of dilly dally around, which can happen, especially if you have kids and you feel like you have no time to yourself, then you can just kind of putter around your house and not really start quote, getting ready for bed or kind of moving in that direction until nine o'clock. And before you know it, it's 1030 or 11 and you need to be up at 530. It's just not enough sleep. No. And the one thing I'm absolutely committed to above all other items of self-care is my sleep. Me too. Because I know that if I get enough sleep, absolutely, everything else goes well. And I'm shooting for eight hours a night, eight solid hours. So for me, that means I've got to get in bed by nine o'clock if I'm going to get up at five to get eight hours of sleep. Agreed. And by the way, I track that also. So I use a, an app called Sleep Cycle. Don't you love that? I love that app. It's, it's kind of addictive because then you can see like, how what was the quality of my sleep last night? I was know. it 80% or was it 95%? I get really excited if it's over the, 90%. The one thing I don't get excited about is that it records your snoring. I don't have that problem. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> well, I think that this is this is just really important to to mention too. If you have a night where you're out late, like for example, um, you know, Joel and I were at a concert a couple weeks ago. It was really fun. We don't do that very often, but you know, it was late. We didn't get home till like eleven o'clock. My sleep is more important than exercise the next yep. day. So in I that so in that case, I'm going to sleep later than 5:30. I'm going to forego the exercise so that I can, you know, sort of like the bare minimum baseline is I've got to get my sleep. And if that means I have to truncate the morning ritual in order to do that, um, I still feel like it's it's been a win. Yeah, I think so too. Because again, I'm thinking from from the end, keeping the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be more focused and more productive if I sleep in. I mean, the ideal is that I get up on time. Right. After eight hours of sleep, I work out and all that. But if I can't do that, then I got to prioritize. The next best thing is sleep. That's right. And I think, you again, you just can't get legalistic about this. And, you know, to have a minimal routine, like when I get to a hotel, you know, that's usually a challenge because I've usually got earlier morning stuff. And so I've got a separate routine that I do when I'm on the road. That's great. So we started by talking about uh, rituals as a way to really set yourself up for optimum productivity, that without rituals, you just kind of stumble in and out of your day with no real intention. And as a result, the outcomes that you're able to produce are often compromised. And so that's kind of our, our big picture here. But if you're listening to this, you're probably wondering, well, how do I get started? If this is not something you've yeah. incorporated, or maybe you've tried and you've been overly ambitious and it hasn't worked, then how do you get started? Well, I would start by documenting what you're doing now, because again, I just want to make the point, you've got a morning routine. Right. You probably have a workday startup ritual. You probably have a workday shutdown ritual, and you probably have an evening ritual. So just document it. Go ahead and and write down each step like you were explaining to somebody uh, the recipe for what you do. Right. So it's just like a cake mix or anything else. But if you don't like the results you're getting, if you don't like the cake you're baking, you got to change the recipe. Mm -hmm. So what would make you more effective? You know, you know you need to exercise, so build that into your morning routine. You know you need to eat breakfast. I mean, you've got the right nourishment and your blood sugar levels uh, up to where it needs to be. You're going to be more productive, more sure. focused. Your brain's going to work like it was created to, to be. So all that stuff's important. 
And again, I would just start by documenting it and then re-engineer it. Say, okay, this is what it is, but I'll, I'll just caution here. Don't go crazy. No. Oh You've got to set a low bar and make incremental change over time. Small improvements over time can really have a big impact on our lives. So I would document what you're doing now, tweak it a little bit, try it, tweak it some more, try it, see what works. Don't be afraid to throw out stuff that's not working. Absolutely. One thing I just thought of that's really critical if you do have younger children, if you haven't yet implemented a morning routine, this is something you need to discuss with your spouse. Uh, Very often, this is the kind of thing that one spouse will come home with, you know, all gung-ho and they can't wait to implement it. But what it really means is that the other spouse has to hold the bag and do all the morning stuff with the family to make it possible. And really what you're looking for is mutual support and coordination. And if you're able to kind of work that out with each other, you know, like I'll make the lunches while you're out on a walk or, you know, vice versa, then it can really work and you can support each other. But if you're not careful, um, this could be really bad for your marriage. Didn't, didn't you tell me about some practice you guys had of you went to bed with the kids, but then you got up like an hour earlier. So you had time for this. Yes. Yeah. In fact, when our kids were uh, young and they were just not good sleepers is that we would just go to bed when they would go to bed, Mm -hmm. you know, that we would, and sometimes that wasn't extremely early, but the temptation is you just are going to stay up one or two or three hours past your kids. And one of the best strategies, if you have young children or kids that just don't sleep well, is to go to bed when they go to bed. So you're able to at least get some good sleep before they start waking up in the early morning hours. Um, and then, you know, get up. Well, and I'll tell you what, that, that morning time spent in a morning routine that's deliberate and intentional right. is going to be far more valuable than just channel surfing late at night because you're finally vegging out. Absolutely. So I think that's a that's a great hack if you can just discipline yourself to go to bed early no matter what. Because sometimes that's all you have control over, you know, when your children are young. Totally. Today, we've learned the four rituals that will set you up for a win every day by keeping you fresh and focused on your most important goals. They are your morning routine, a workday startup ritual, a workday shutdown ritual, and an evening routine. As we bring this episode to a close, I just want to remind you that it's never too late to start. You can gain a greater sense of balance and control starting tomorrow by adopting these practices. Dad, do you have any final thoughts for us today? Yeah, I would just try this as an experiment. You know, it may not work for you. It works for most people, but just try it. You know, start with a morning routine, yep. map that out. Don't get too fancy and just try it. Maybe give it a 30-day trial and see if it works. I think you're going to love it if you do. I want to thank our sponsor, Leaderbox. It provides automated personal development in a box. Check it out at leaderbox.com. For more on today's episodes, get the show notes and a full transcript online at lead2.win. Thanks again for joining us on Lead to Win. If you like the show, please tell your friends and colleagues about it. And also, please leave a review of the show. We've made it super easy. Just go to michaelhyatt.com slash review it. It'll take you less than two minutes. This program is copyrighted by Michael Hyatt and Company, all rights reserved. Our producer is Nick Jaworski. Our writers are Joel Miller and Lawrence Wilson. Our recording engineer is Mike Burns. Our production assistant is Natalie Fockel. Our intern is Winston. We invite you to join us next week when we learn how to get the outcomes you want by designing a process to produce them. Until then, lead to win.